Hello everyone, welcome back to our Fireside Chat. This is our Fireside Chat 24. So last week we were talking about estimation, right? So should we estimate, should we not estimate? Uh, and a lot of people got engaged and we also realized that this topic was far bigger than we expected it to be. There were lots of things that we wanted to talk about. Uh, we didn't even cover half of it. And, and then uh, earlier, uh, well, then last week we were asking people, if they, were, they had any questions. And a few people uh, got back to us and say, hey, why don't you talk about these and talk about that? And say, so, okay, well, I think we have enough for a part two. So that's what this episode is about. We're gonna continue the conversation about estimation. And, uh, but before we start, always remember, if you are enjoying those, those chats, let us know, put a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel as well. We have a lot of people that are watching those videos, but are still not subscribed. So make sure that you subscribe so you get notified. Okay, so guys, estimation, right? So we had a good discussion uh, last week, but let's start from some of the, the things that we, the, the questions that some people sent to us. Yeah, so, oops, let me just uh, go back to the, let me try to get the list of uh, things in here. So, okay, so there was a uh, Chema, is it, or Chema, how do you say yeah. Jose? Yeah. Chema. So Chema uh, on Twitter, he was uh, asking us, uh, so is there an easy way to help teams learn how they could start estimate their task and see if they if it does make sense uh, for them or not? So is there an easy way uh, for us to, to start with estimation? What, what do you think, guys? Again, depends on what you mean by easy and they want, depends on what you mean by <laughs> makes sense for them and so on. You know, this is the, the consultant answer, right? <laughs> um, normally, it, it, it does make sense because, again, when you're starting a project, no, a, you normally have the least information. Right. So you, you, again, there's lots of benefits from going and doing that exercise. Even if you don't get num numbers that you're like super comfortable with or whatever, right? There is value in the conversation and there is value in, in a lot of doing the exercise and, and going through that thought process. Right. So that alone makes sense. Um, now, well, it makes sense. Like when I've seen people kind of be quite against things like this is when they go and blindly try to follow a, I don't know, planning poker or some other, uh, you know, thing without actually understanding what it is that they, that those techniques have that help you or, or not. Right. So for instance, when you wouldn't, so planning poker, just to plan poker is you have, to, everyone's got this uh, set of, cards or you know responses that they can give someone describes the story or the the word the feature that needs to be done and then suddenly everyone from the team votes on what they think the size is right and there are some variations of this some people use you know the fibonacci sequence blah blah that kind of stuff uh there are you know i can't tell let's take a break whatever that that kind of stuff but uh the problem with that is that once you vote yeah, let's say that you have a three and then someone says, you know, a five, uh, then you have a conversation about it because what you're looking for is to bring everyone together and align about what the work is, what needs to be uh, built uh, and what the complexity of it is and so on. And someone who gave you a five, 
versus someone who gave a, a one, yeah, that person thinking of a five, well, what's happening there, right? Like that's what you're trying to like, what are they thinking that maybe we didn't see, right? Uh, and, and vice versa. So that conversation in its own has value. However, when you have a backlog of <laughs> 100 <laughs> stories, if you follow that approach, you're not going to get very far, <laughs> right? So then it's a bit of a, of a waste. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, then the other, you know, I've, I've also seen the other uh, side of things like let's not estimate anything. Let's just, you know, start uh, working on things. It tends to be uh, for different reasons also kind of a, a, of an issue, right? Especially when you have commitments that you still need to meet. Yeah. So does it make sense? Yes, I think you need to start somewhere, especially when you don't have any uh, baselines or, or toe stones that you can compare to uh, because you don't have history in that project, right? Uh, but probably if you're going for volume, you may be, it may be worth to use a different uh, technique than, than planning poker. If you're going for detail or if you have people in the team that are easily influential, uh, which is another thing that now you have, I don't know, lots of... Mm, you get one person that's very experienced, let's say the being around for a very long time, no? And then you have a bunch of people who just joined the team that have no clue. So whatever that person says, you know, everyone else kind of follows because they, they get influenced. Oh, he knows. So if he's saying it should be this, then it's probably that, right? And and that's what you're trying to break as well there. Now you have the conversation, you have the not influence each other because it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like secret, no? Uh, but it takes a very long time. If you have other, uh, you know, if, if you're going for volume or for like getting a quick understanding of what the size is, there are other approaches. Uh, I don't know, Max, if you want to talk about some of them or... Yeah, because th this is the kind of question that we might spend just a full hour just answering this one yeah. and mixing many, many different uh, levels in here, right? Uh, exactly. I mean, uh, we are going to talk about the different estimation techniques. Um, the way I see it is that estimation is the kind of thing that is easy to start because the question is, can they start to estimate? Yes, we estimate everything throughout our lives, right? We estimate how long it's going to take us to get to work. Uh, we get better at that estimate the more often we go. We are always estimating. So, so yes, you know, we all we we do have it in us to to be able to, able to estimate. Now, uh, le learning the way I see it is that the techniques, and we will mention those later on as well. They are in themselves in the are as a process actually quite simple. Uh, but they, there is an element of skill involved. There is an element of repetition involved in these things. The more it's a tool, it's a it's a, a kind of an activity that the more often you do it, the better you will get at it. You know, because you will. It's kind of almost like an innate thing that you start building reflexes for, right? So, so yes, initially it might seem a bit alien to estimate in this thing, but remember that you do estimate in other ways as well. And as and when you start doing this, you will get better at it. So you should practice it it uh, more often. Does it make sense or not? I think Jose answered uh, answer that question quite well. I would say that, you know, it, it, it does. Because like in the last episode, we talked about 
it's a tool that helps you um, create some kind of a uh, an expectation and work towards that expectation. And at the very least, it tells you information about how well you understood the problem at a particular time when you were estimating. And what are the things that you might have missed? And moving forward, you might then be, be able to think of those things earlier. So even if the, the actual figure doesn't matter, the process matters. And, and, being able, and it then becomes another point that you can then calibrate your feedback loops with. Right. So so I think personally, it it almost I wouldn't say always, but it in normal cases, it should make sense, even if you don't really care about the end and result of the estimate, the figure itself, but more about the knowledge and the 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 ability it gives you to kind of calibrate and get feedback and see the things that you may have missed in the beginning. And it's always good to kind of think about different perspectives. Um, and and know that what kind of perspectives you should be thinking of at the start of a task, a story, a release, a sprint, all these things. So so in my view, yes, it does make sense. Yeah, and, and from my side, like uh, there is an easy way. Uh, I think there, are, of course, there are many caveats, as as both of you already said. Um, but. Ultimately, like, first of all, who the estimate is for, right? But let's say that, let, let's forget about uh, many things. Like, let's just, for, like, how easy that is. In, in a way, if we are talking about more low-level things, for example, you have a backlog and and you need to start working on it, right? That's what, if you don't estimate today, at some point you might need to do that. You're going to pick that user story or that epic or whatever, and you are going to start working on it. So what would be the easy way? Before we start working on it, try to break that down in what you need to do. So in order uh, to, to implement that user story or that requirement or whatever, it's like, what, what do I need to do? What are all the tasks that I need to do uh, in order to implement that? So, so then if you are able to do that, let's say that there is not a lot of unknowns, uh, you say, okay, that's that's what I need to do. So then all of a sudden you have a list of things. If you are very comfortable with that list of all the elements in that list, you can get give a guess and all of a sudden that's an easy way you are already estimating, right? Of course, the devils are in the details, right? So we think we need to talk about uncertainty. Uh, so what are what if there are items in there that you, that you are uncertain? Then there are ways to cope with that. But in terms of just to get a team started, assuming that there is no pressure, like the, the, the question here doesn't really have a, enough context, right? So I don't want to extrapolate too much. So in, in order just for a team to get started or used to estimates, that's what I would do. Take the, the, the things that you have, try to break that down into smaller pieces, see if you all agree what needs to be done, and then try to guess roughly how long it's gonna take and then you start doing that. Make sure that, like you, you say, like try to compare your original estimates to, to what how long it really took, and you keep repeating that. But that would that's not difficult. The difficulty comes in is with the expectation of the estimation. For example, if you are providing uh, numbers to some people, that you make decisions on top of those numbers, or you hold yourself accountable, and you are estimating things that you are completely uncertain then that becomes very complicated. 
but the act of estimating is easy and it does it make sense i i agree uh with what mesh was saying just the fact that before i start implementing anything i just stop and spend some time just thinking of what i need to do in which sequence how i will break that down that 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 uh uh problem for me that is a lot of value in doing that and that alone uh, makes sense to me yeah so so then there are also if you have any thoughts about the no estimate trend <laughs> who, who wants to, to 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 start on that one i, I think it's good in principle <laughs> okay so the, the this is my thing with with no estimates no and and this is how i understand no estimates i may be wrong yeah uh there's there's plenty of really good advocates for it uh, out there no but it's it's based on the, this idea of you know you should make sure that you're always working on the thing that you need to be working on and then what you don't really have to worry because if you're always working on the thing that you need to be working on the, the most important thing then if it takes it whatever it takes is what it needed to take because it's the most important thing. yeah that's that's more or less the way that i that i see that no um, there is an aspect as well on, you know, on the forecasting and then splitting and that kind of stuff, like having things roughly the same size, which, which are things that are a bit more debatable on, on that front. But the main idea behind it is, is right. now my problem comes when people use this as a way of, you know, protecting themselves from either committing or, you know, making decisions or, right? And that's what I see a problem with, yeah? So you you still need to be able, uh, you know, at the beginning of the other episode, we were talking and I said, some people have questions, right? Like, when are we gonna get this? Like, by when are we gonna, you know, what are we gonna get uh, and on this date? Those are really reasonable questions that need to get answered to a certain degree of, no, of, of uh, predictability, you know, those questions still need to be answered, whether you estimate or not. Uh, and this should not be used as an excuse to uh, basically not not answer them or, you know, protect yourself from whatever kind of pressure people are, are putting you uh, under. No, I, so that's my I think there is another element to that, Jose. I agree. It's it's actually nice in principle. Do the next next thing, get it done, release often, release as soon as it's done. You know, move on to the next thing, prioritize well. All these things are good. But often we talk about, for example, there are uh, like some people ask us about testing development, right? You know, should you always do testing development? Say, so, well, no. It's a tool. It's there to achieve, uh, it has an intention, it, it's there to achieve certain uh, objectives. And, you know, if you want, if you can achieve those kind of objectives with something else, then fine. You don't have to use testament development. It's like if you're not doing TDD or these kind of things, what are you doing, right? And it's the same thing, same kind of question I have about estimates as well, right? In the no estimates movement, I think all those things that we just said make sense and it all makes sense in principle then but we should not then uh forget the things that actually in a way doing estimate allows us to do which is a good bit of upfront thinking which is uh not necessarily lots of upfront design but problem analysis understanding the whole 
all these kind of things, taking feedback around, you know, did we fully understand the problem in the beginning and how well do we understand it now and so on. If you do that with other means, and there are, by the way, you know, you can do problem analysis without having to estimate. You just have to be very disciplined about it, right? So if you're doing all these kind of things that we were saying that estimates actually, it, the side effect of the estimates is what we find quite important, as well as, you know, of course, when things are related to budgets and all those kind of things, and of course, they are important as well, and we need to do something in order to help uh, support and help other parts of the organization. But forgetting those for a moment and just looking at how estimate the side effect of estimation can help you understand the problem better and receive feedback from as you go along, then, yeah, if you're not doing estimates, then, you know, what are you doing? In, you know, are you doing something instead? And if you are, if you're doing this problem analysis, if you're breaking it down, if you're gathering feedback from how well you understood versus when it went on and the next checkpoint and so on, then fine, you know, hashtag no estimates all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have a slightly different perspective. I'm not so uh, enthusiastic or I, I don't see so many great things about the no estimate. And I'll tell you, I will start from what I think that they were trying to achieve and where this is coming from, right? So from my understanding, because like I haven't read that book, by the way, the, the whole hashtag no estimate put me off, just to, to be very clear. Maybe I should be more educated. So if some of the guys, those guys from that movement that wrote the book and we had some misunderstanding, more than happy for them to, to reach out to us and then try to clarify and have a debate about that, because I would like to understand more. Uh, but like the one of the things that I know that people were trying to to change was the notion of uh, pro project and product, right? A project by nature has a start and an end, and we try to optimize, like we try to reduce, well, try to get to the end at the lowest possible cost and time, right? So that's like normally when people run projects. That's what they are trying to do. We want to achieve this, and the sooner and the cheapest we achieve that, the better. So the the end justify the means in a way. That's when you have a project, yeah. But most of the people we work with products, and product has a very long lifespan, and the mentality of project doesn't fit the 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 product. Uh, lifespan. So because you are working, the, the product is in a continuous evolution. A lot of people say, hey, there's no point in, in keep estimating and having those things. Then is what you were saying, Mesh, let's just work in whatever is the biggest priority. So whatever is more important right now for our product, we are going to keep doing that forever. Because while the product exists, we always focus on the priorities. And I understand that mentality. Uh, however, what I what I feel is that, uh, Jose, it seems that you are not agreeing with what I'm saying, but I, I'll get, I'll, I'll try to understand what you are feeling. But like, w w even if you are in a product mentality that is a continuous flow and not a project related, the estimate will also change priorities. For example, what we say, this is the most important thing for us to do now. It will be most important depending on how long it's going to take. Right? So, for example, backlogs are not just based on business value because business value is also related to time and effort. And if you don't estimate. 
So estimates will help to shift the priority because it's like, okay, you know what? This would be the best thing to, to, to do it right now, but it's going to take six months. You know what? I'm not keen on spending six months on doing that, although it would be lovely to do that if he could do that in two months. But for six months worth of effort, I prefer to do all those other five things. And that's where the estimate has a significant impact in your prioritization as well. It's not just what is more important. And this is why I am not so sympathetic to even when you are working on continuous flow, I think that estimation uh, plays a huge part in the, in the product strategy. Mm. I think it's almost as if they, the, you know, even if you're not estimating, you need to understand the, the size of the task ahead mm -hmm. at the, at some level, right? And you know whether you call it an estimate or not, I completely agree with you that it's not just question about what's the best value. It's also question of how much investment it requires. So yeah. is that value investment uh, balance that you need to understand to make your decision and if you don't have the invest what investment required part of that you might be making some decisions that are actually ill-informed mm -hmm. yeah exactly but then I, I as a, you know same as you i don't understand the nitty-gritty of the the no estimates movement but maybe they talk about the rough sizing or i think jose you were talking about in lean you know they talk about these different yeah because the, the idea of the, of the tasks or uh, sorry yeah. and, and just sorry just just before we move because i just forgot like one thing on the point that i want to make was like i also get that part of the, the the solution was not is to avoid blame right so for example if you are committed to a number then you you people are waiting for that number and then they wanted to avoid and shift the focus away from from that to value right but then i think you have a different problem i think that we would be uh solving the wrong problem you yeah you're kind of treating the symptom and not the root cause exactly you know? i just just wanted to throw that in before yeah, you yeah. go Jose. Yeah, good point. no no that's that's a good that's a good point so i i agree and if you look at the ri formula no the, the time is it's there right like the, the return investment is is on okay so what did you put in what did you get out for this amount of time that will give you a, a, a value no so if if it's the same thing you can do in one week versus you can do in six months that definitely changes the the return on investment for for whatever it is that you're doing right so that that's fine um my you know there is a component there uh, as well around eliminating waste because a lot of this is is drawing from ideas from lean and kanban and all of these things now or you know just in time and reducing waste etc and estimation can be seen as waste yeah because it's, it's actually not something that is adding value to the product is a, it's it's a, a means to an product. It, yeah. exactly it's a it's byproduct a of, of the thing yeah. right so it's not a value adding kind of activity mm -hmm. But that's questionable of where. As well. I was gonna no, say. I was gonna say. Is, is, it, is it really not a value adding if we, we just talked about if exactly, it's helping you exactly. so, But this is this is this is part of the thing, no? And um, and still, and another thing that I wanted to to mention is like when you mentioned the difference between product, no, versus project and so on. Lots of companies that do, that develop products, they still sort of run little projects, even if they're working on uh, on a product, right? They yeah, like a campaign for their product. They, yeah. 
exactly or they or they split it into quarters or whatever right like you know whatever okr or, or fancy thing you you want to call it right um but they still try to split it into chunks yeah and they still have that uh necessity or, or need to uh, answer are we gonna have this done by this date right because if the first thing that you uh, you do when with a product is you know what's the what's kind of like the roadmap right like what would would where are we going with this and that has a time component and that has a you know scope component as well um you may not know exactly what's going to go in there but you know it, you still need to answer those uh, questions to some level right no sure so this is like, why i was taking my my hand yeah, uh, what i want to say probably this is another one of those uh subtleties because like that is a no project thing as well the same way they have no estimates no, you have no i have not heard of that there is a book i need it. to be a twitter more yeah there is a book on it uh oh so, <laughs> okay the the no, no, actually no, really yeah. <laughs> so, so so the the thing is that on the project mindset the and justifying the means, as, as I said, like because you, you said, like this is what I want to achieve. But for example, you know, but you are not really considering the consequences of, for example, uh, uh, relaxing quality, or not investing on some infrastructure, because for that specific project you might not need. You might relax it, but that, but the next project will be built on top because a product you are always building on top, and in a project mindset. You are just focused, okay, that's my new project. That's what I need to get done, done. Now I'm going to next project and next project, next project. But you are not taking the whole into account. That's that's kind of like what they were trying to say. Again, there are, there are subtleties. Uh, I, By the way, I like the product mentality, but with estimates, with phases, with things. But we are considering the entire lifespan and not just uh, achieving this by, uh, well, achieve X, with the lowest cost and as soon as possible at the expense of the evolution of the, the, the product in the future. And, yes. and that's the different mindset that I was and, trying to refer to. And to go to the point that you mentioned earlier, which I think segues quite well into the, the last part of, of this thing, mm. is, is the hyper, uh, hyper inflated estimates and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, my main thing with this is I see people using it as a way to shy away from either commitment or, you know, because for whatever reason, like you just mentioned, no, the, the whole idea of no blame you know let's let's talk about value instead of you know not meeting the deadline so for me that's do we have a safe space right like is are these people under pressure yeah. uh is that the reality where you're working in or how those that, numbers are going to be used exactly right? how are those numbers going to be but, used uh, they... i i don't think hyperinflation is just related to i think it definitely is that's one of the reasons but i don't think it's just related to a fear of how those things will be used i think there are no. other factors to hyperinflation as well yeah i i, I agree but, but for that. example what, what would they be like uncertainty for example uncertainty for sure sometimes actually uh you can start fooling yourself with in-depth analysis at the point where you don't have enough information so you can actually uh, sometimes i've seen people hyper inflate certain areas where they it's not about uncertainty it's about they reading into it and adding 
because they they haven't um, cornered the problem down, they have all aspects of it open, and that's kind of related to uncertainty as well. But what they've what they've done is that the context is not so well defined, so the problem becomes inflated, and consequently the solution mm. becomes inflated when they are thinking about it. So the problem is not well understood. It's not directly related to uncertainty, although that plays a part. But I think what they've done is they've overanalyzed it. They don't have enough information to analyze it. And they it's almost in some cases, people are making stuff up in terms of what kind of things will be needed. Just, just so, so I understand, uh, make sure that I understood what you're saying. So basically what you're saying is there might be a very vague definition of the problem. And then they start trying to analyze that vague definition of the problem. And then they go even beyond because the problem is not well defined. So the boundaries of the problem are not defined. So they go even way beyond because yes. they are making stuff up. Exactly. And sometimes the solution mm. becomes very complex. Solution can be complex because the problem is not well understood or it can be complex because they've over, over engineered it. That's another okay. way of hyperinflation. The other reason for hyperinflation is that, you know, like when you're looking at a thing, there are certain things, aspects of your uh, task or story or feature or so on that have almost like a, a linear scale, a factor applied to them. You know, I need to uh, do this 50 times. Yeah, there's, there's this kind of, I need, I've got this thing that basically the solution fans out because you need to create, I don't know, like recently we had about things like I need to create, you know, 10, 15 different documents uh, with different formats, or I need to create all these web pages that are for different types of users. So that kind of stuff, right? So the same web page, but lots of different types of users, or that kind of thing, where the problem or the solution kind of scales. And what we end up doing is because we may not understand the problem at that time, we may scale it linearly you know i've got 15 documents so i'm gonna whatever for one i'm gonna times it by 15. but we don't understand that if those 15 documents have the same level of complexity we don't understand that if they're actually just a variation of the same thing exactly. after, after you build like i don't know maybe three four of those documents the other one will almost come for free right yeah exactly you just you know adding those variations so sometimes estimation in these kind of are hyper inflated because we apply this factor, this fan out factor to them or linear kind of factor to them without really understanding the dependency between those things that are fanning out, you know? There, there's another uh, thing that I feel contributes uh, that we haven't mentioned, which is when you go into, depending on what, which level of detail you go into, you're then starting to introduce you know, buffers at a level that when you mm. add up all of the buffers, yeah, it's it's just it blown out it's of proportion. That's by a thousand cuts. Exactly, exactly. So it's not like, oh, you didn't know, but, you know, let's add, you know, one day more just in case, you know, and then, but that's for that that every single then, thing. But, but, exactly, but when you add up all of those things, then, you know, you you get an inflated thing. And the, the sum of all of those buffers, right? Like, the, and I remember Sandro telling me a story, no, don't know if you want to share it. And I was like, hey, uh, look at this. We're saying, you know, three years. Yeah. Forget about that. <laughs> Forget about that. 
how how long do you think you would take? <laughs> you know, like, what's your well, gut feel? Uh, exactly. What's your gut feel? Well, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah. So, year, so this, this was like, okay. So, so how did it become four years? No, or yes. three years. <laughs> this is an interesting story, and I'm sure that some of the Kojunas guys watching this episode, they will say, "Hey, I think he's talking about me." Uh, <laughs> but, but this was a good learning curve. Like, uh, by the way, this is no blaming the guys. This is just like they were really genuinely trying to do the best job, and, and we were working and trying to figure out how we could do certain things. And it was exactly what what was I said? Like, uh, or uh, we we had a task that was like all the elements we were trying to estimate for a phase right so we knew that it would be a few months of work and we just needed to understand what we could fit in a for that group of functionalities how long it would take uh, and and it would come come up with a phase for that right so in a project so then then uh, in a uh, then then the guys they they had a very scientific method and similar to what mesh was describing so well we have these types of things and here we have like they had a few hundreds of those things and not 15 but like they did that so they have a lot of uncertainties because they were at the beginning of that that project so they use a kind of scientific method they, they broke that down and and because they have a few hundreds they just said like we think that it's going to take that but they put the uncertainties on some of the initial items and they, they timed by uh almost 200 that was the number of things that they had to do that they were very similar to each other but they times by 200 the uncertainty as well and that went to like uh i think in that project it went to a year and a half and they had a formula they had a spreadsheet even right and this is what is a very interesting thing for us to share with others because it was an, an insight for ourselves sometimes we think that we are being very scientific and creating those forms. And then when we do the multiplication to, to, to estimate, we are multiplying the uncertainty. And then we are happy with that because we say, well, we use a scientific method. But when they said that to me, I said, look guys, I don't understand everything that you're trying to do, but like, this seems a lot. So that's when I asked the question was just like, what does your gut instinct says? Right, so for example, forget about the method that you use to estimate. Forget about your spreadsheet and, and the methodical way you went about that. Just finger in the air, your experience, they've been in the project for a while. And, and when they said, I think that they said about six months, six to seven months compared to 18 months. And then I was asking them, how do you reconcile? Like you use a scientific method, but your gut instinct is almost like it's less than half what you came up so the method was not right right so it was hyperinflate because of the techniques that they use in the way that they apply them as well which was quite uh, an insightful thing so reconciling your gut feeling so that you can validate is yeah is i think this is an important thing that you know i mean we'll i keep saying that we'll talk about things like you know prt and those kind of other things where and we we break the problem down quite considerably in some cases where we want higher fidelity estimates and so on but at the end of the day estimates is a subjective thing and if the if you have a really detailed method of estimating just be careful of the multi multiplication factors because those are the places that will that will cause this this kind of hyperinflation and and at the end of the day, always try to understand that you are making a subjective analysis of the problem. You kind of 
trying to look kind of into the future and see how you're going to do certain things. And estimates are estimates at the end of the day. They, there's a very good probability that they will be wrong. And if you are wrong in one of those factors that is being used to multiply, then you will hyperinflate it. Yeah. There is there is one thing that I would like to add before we move on because we spent like thirty six minutes in just one of the <laughs> the, the people. But I, here. I think there is another thing that we must talk about after this. Sorry to interrupt you. Is underinflate, which actually happens more often than high. Oh uh, yes, like. that is. That but is anyway, very, carry on with with what true. you were saying. And I just forgot about. The <laughs> <laughs> they just cut me. Sorry, right. Sorry. I was like ready. To, uh, uh, it, it would need to come back to me because I completely forgot. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Damn. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, well, we okay. can start talking about underinflating and you can move back to hyperinflate and uh, move back to what what you were thinking about. Uh, yes, uh, we, we, we can do that. So, so okay. Talk to, <laughs> you can talk how, about how do you avoid, me. like, let's, let's pretend that there is another question in there and says, how do you avoid underestimating? I just remembered. <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> Sorry. So, because the question was how to avoid hyperinflated estimates, and and also it depends of, for example, at which level you are doing. For example, in the, the example I gave and I matched the one that you were uh, referring to, we were at the beginning of a phase of a project or a beginning of a project. So the estimates would be inevitably in months, if not even more, like a year or more, right? Because we were estimating like for a full new piece of work so this is important to understand because it's very different from uh avoiding hyperinflation at a user story level i'm talking about a project level right not at is so at that point one way to avoid that that hyperinflation uh mainly when we are talking about a project level is invest time in resolving your uncertainties because for example if if let's say the company is ready to invest another full year with that team to work on a bunch of stuff yeah and they want an idea of what can be done investing two weeks at the beginning is not a big deal in the great scheme of things so one way to avoid the hyperinflate is like try to break that down uh all those the, the, the high level scope and see which areas of uncertainty you have there are areas that you really cannot even get give an educated guess because those are the areas that are the riskiest one right so there are things that you probably are familiar or you've done before or that is even like there is already examples in the, the project itself uh, but there are areas that are completely unknown integrating with another system or whatever else right so then uh in order not to have a hyperinflation because of uncertainty say you know what i cannot give you the estimate right now what i ask is give us two weeks and we are going to list down all the biggest uncertainties that we have and we're going to spend two weeks break the team apart into pairs or whatever and we are going to investigate a little bit in more details those kind of things and we're going to by the end of it we are going to say everything that we discovered and we are going to re talk to you again, like to the business again and say, like, those are the things that we discovered. Let's try to refine this scope a bit more now that we understand a little bit more about the problem. Have a, a, another pass on the, the, the requirements to narrow down. If there is still big uncertainties, go for another week 
if you want. And at that point, you are in a better shape to, to give uh, an estimate that is because you remove the, 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 the uncertainties. You have a little bit more clarity. So you might, that, that's what I want to say. So sometimes doing some time, instead of just giving a number which, with whatever technique, you say, like, give, give us some time to resolve the uncertainty and the, the same is true for underestimating as well, actually. Mm -hmm. That's one element to it is that, you know, uncertainty could actually, you know, it, it, it can take you wide off the mark and it could take you wide off the mark towards high, kind of overestimating or underestimating as well, right? So, mm -hmm. and of course, you will, these are estimates, you know, they will not be the actual. And of course, there is an understanding that they can be wrong, it's about the degree of how you know how wrong they are that then you know is is the quality of this information that's what you 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 kind of worrying about and will the you other, stick to it eh, as well yeah exactly but i mean there are uh, should we go towards underestimation uh question now because i think there are elements there in underestimating that are different from hyperestimating or no go, go yeah go 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 ahead so go on the on the underestimation side, I often, so I personally started life as a serial under, underestimator of tasks. <laughs> in fact, recently we were, I was actually kind of not really taking part in the, in one of the estimation exercises. And, you know, the team said to me, like, why don't you add your kind of poker card in there as well? And I said, well, first thing is I'm not going to be implementing it. So are you sure? They said, no, we'd like to hear your perspective. And I was like quite scared that, I might take them too far towards underestimating because, but I realized I'm getting very old because I ended up overestimating quite often <laughs> more than them in the poker, uh, uh, planning poker. But, but anyway, the, the one thing is that from an, a underestimating point of view, when you think the problem is simplistic, often you, you hear that often by, um, some kind of a typical type of manager. You know, that old thing is, what? It's going to take six months? I could do it in a month. You know, that kind of manager. Because back in my day, if I was doing that back in my day in Kobo, yeah. I would do that much faster. Right? Exactly. But, it's because you're pairing all the time, ain't you? That's what's slowing exactly, you down. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I think what happens is that you know, when you look at a problem at from from a distance, it can appear uh, simpler. It often appears simpler. It's funny that you know you kind of travel through this problem analysis journey. You go from simple to oh shit, it's really complex to ah, it's all right. <laughs> you know, you kind of get that that journey, and you don't start stop at oh it's simple, and then just you know finger in the air estimate there. I think problem uh, lack of problem analysis can really lead towards underestimation. So you need to understand the pro problem. And also lack of understanding in the areas of complexity. Because the way I see it is that, you know, even problems is kind of a stratified thing. You've got the large problem and it's broken down into many small problems. And if you misjudge one of those, that will lead you towards underestimating. So there needs to be a very good level of problem analysis. I personally, I think it's one of the major things that actually leads to us underestimating. Mm -hmm. And of course, there is also 
the individual estimate versus the team because a lot of the times something doing just by yourself and just kind of assuming that the whole thing will be done yourself versus it'll be done by a team although the team adds to kind of uh, the amount you can achieve in a in a period they also it also has a tax and there are many other types of taxes in there that you need to understand as well so understand your own limitations your team's limitations as well sometimes we we are quite simplistic we we estimate purely from a personal perspective not taking into account that we are working as a team yeah although it's your perspective and often say you know how long it will take you but how long it will take you how long do you think it will take you as part of a team it's not like how long will it take you if you're working in a cupboard on your own exactly so guys we we have a few other uh uh questions and comments that we received it would be good to go through them uh just a reminder we ha only have like 15 minutes left well <laughs> so i think we're gonna need to do a uh, number a part three. three yeah part three yeah. Yeah. okay so but let's try to, to to go quicker but i know that some of those questions are quite big as well so uh emmanuel was uh asking there's two things in here one is a uh, mention to a technique uh one who would like to know more about a technique and technique that you mentioned in the previous episode, Jose, I think he's talking about the Monte Carlo simulation. That's that's the one that I think I'm, uh, he, he's talking about. And the other one is like uh, how we can have someone new on the team. So on the other hand, I always ask myself, how would do this someone new on the team? Uh, I would love to know how it could help the, the new team members to do the estimation part. So... Uh, so, yeah, so there are two parts in here. One is the Monte Carlo uh, simulation. One is kind of like onboarding new team members and they need to be part of the, the estimate. So let's try to, to, to go through those things a bit quicker. Right. So the, the first with the, with the uh, team member, right? Mm -hmm. um, normally what you want to have is some sort of uh, touchstones, no? Or... You know, use the stories that are kind of representative of the amount of work, and you can use that if they understand what that amount of work is. Yeah. Otherwise, they just need to learn what those things are, right? And uh, through through the experience, you can walk. You know, it makes it easier if you have the touchstones and you can walk them through the amount of work and so on, or what part of the system uh, it touches on, and you know what complexity do some of these things have and so on do some of these things have but um but but that's it right like you have the representatives you walk them through that and then they sort of get an idea or a better idea of you know what the three is or a one is or whatever uh, amount of work um but again it's all based on whether they can understand like can you convey the amount of work that it takes each of uh, you know of those things. So that would be the, my way of sort of speeding up that process of, of someone new coming into the thing and understanding what the amount of work of something is, or being able to contribute to the estimation uh, with a let's say with, with more confidence, no, uh, on you know what they're saying. Yeah, so before you move to the Monte Carlo, I just want to add as well, because there is an element of, uh, that goes back to what Mesh was saying, there is an element of the value of doing the estimation itself, right? So 
because this allows the, the teams to really think about what needs to be done. And with the new team member joining, you can even take those sessions to explain to them the system. Say, hey, this is the feature that we need to do. Those are all the different aspects, uh, different areas of the system and database and front end and whatever that we need to do to change it. So, so there is a, 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 a good onboarding as well, if you like, so that people start understanding uh, not only what needs to be done, but also how it needs to be done during those sessions. And, and, and at that point, I would not take the new member uh, number or estimate as the, the, the main one, because like the new members, as you onboard them, it would be better if they were still pairing and... Yeah, they still need to learn. They still exactly. need to get that knowledge. No, uh, exactly. yeah, it's it, again a combination of, of doing it and actually understanding it and having some sort of indicator of because it's very different if you say you know a one, a three, or whatever. Then if you have okay, a one is this type of work or this you know size of work. A, a two is this size of work. Of course, you need to go through all of these and explain and and but that will give them an idea so that when they choose they choose something you know with some criteria not just it's uh, it i mean that that you need to do in the it's like a calibration part isn't it mm -hmm. if you're doing relative story estimates you have to choose the first one or two or few stories that are gonna be the baseline Right. So, so I, th I think it's true, not just for new team members, but if a team is starting to, to estimate on a backlog where there is no baseline or not a well understood baseline, then you'd have to, you'd have to do that anyway. Yeah, it's the, I, it's the same. Yeah. 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 I, I think the other part is that for a new team member, you also need to, if, if, for example, they're not used to the estimate uh, process or, or that kind of practice, then you also need to kind of tell them what it means to the team. Right. And also the kind of things that we discussed here, maybe get them to listen to these fireside chats. Um, <laughs> you know what, what they, shameless plug, what, 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 what estimate means, what is this, the thing behind it and why this, the questions are more, almost more, the more important part and how they can, how they should feel safe and encouraged to be able to ask questions about the problem before they, they come to estimate and provide their perspective, you know, their perspective is as good as any other perspective. They might have seen the problem in a very different way because they have a very different perspective to the, the rest of the team if they are new to the team. Yeah. And we can combine the, the, the topic that Emanuele, uh, the, Emmanuel, sorry, uh, mentioned with uh, Susanna Miranda as well, because Susanna was also asking uh, about good estimation and maybe we can cover like Monte Carlo simulation as part of Susanna's uh, question as well so jose why, why don't you take us through like the, very briefly like at a very high level what the monte carlo simulation is about it's it's a, a probabilistic method to basically find the the probabilities of something yeah based of simulating uh, a distribution right so so it usually works this way right you have um, uh, um, an input domain, let's say, or a set of uh, possible inputs in, uh, I don't know, in the case of, let's say, the uh, estimating a project, potential times that, you know, stories of this size can take, yeah, for instance, right? Then you generate randomly uh, from, from a distribution. So you, with a random number generator, basically, you, you, 
simulate that you know you're running the project lots of different times yeah and then you perform some computations on on that and kind of aggregate the the results right so basically let's say like if you had if every time that you run your let's say let's visualize it as a burn down chart now if every time that you run your project with this random generator you increment the value on the distribution it will give you a curve yeah and that curve is basically you know what are the most likely dates for finishing the project that will be you know in the center and then out of that you get different uh, intervals for um, confidence intervals no base base out of that yeah so mm -hmm. It, it very at a high level it's about that it's about simulating that you're running the project lots of times seeing you know all of the times where you know when did you finish so to speak and then based on that understanding what what the probability or the distribution is and, and what level of confidence you want to have yeah. is, so that's, is, it, that's, is it i mean is there like a, a this random number i guess you're talking about a bunch of features or stories that you're assigning this n random number to how long they take to complete and you kind of exactly. putting them exactly. together exactly. is there like would yeah. you have like a, a um a kind of top and bottom max and min to them as well uh, or they yeah, go everything anywhere? would be part of the input like everything would be part of the all of the values that you can see you have the you know the the uh, very fast to very slow uh, mm -hmm. values yeah and then out of that depending on the the, the distribution that you're using yeah uh, for selecting those things yeah uh, then it will give you certain certain dates right or certain numbers and then the aggregate of all of that will give you a distribution for the end dates of the project that's again a way to visualize it is imagine that you're throwing a, a die no and you know, the, 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 the on the die is basically how many points you burned on, you know, one sprint or whatever, right? Like you throw, throw, throw you finish the project. Okay, so that's one project that ended, you know, in this date. And then do it again. Oh, this is, a, but in this project, because we, you know, went faster, we ended up on this date. And then you do that enough times and you get a distribution of, you know, what is the most likely out of that input set, no? Uh, what is the most likely end date uh, for the project, and then based out of that, you have you know different uh, confidence intervals. That's that's basically what it is. But you do it by simulating, right? Like you basically have to throw the die lots and lots of time and and uh, to 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 get somewhere where you're kind of you know confident more or less about what that looks like, you know, at a high level, no, and the the. Uh, big numbers kind of level, yeah? I see. Yeah. So uh, th there are, like, uh, just very quickly going through uh, Helder's, uh, Helder de Oliveira uh, comment, that it is just like a, a, an interesting one. It's basically like what, what he was saying is like looking at some of the, the, the teams, and my, my keeping uh, a new team, like doing the refinement and the estimation. And, and he noticed that some people were discussing like, what is a three or what is a five that is a, quite a classic debate and he was a, it's more a comment is not like a, a, a question itself but he was just saying like what the important thing when those people are discussing the threes or fives is this a three or is a five is more about the not not the number itself but what is is, is that uh trying to figure out what needs to be done what's the size of it is that that 
knowledge exchange that happens when the team is estimating and they are comparing those numbers. For those of you that are not familiar with planning poker, everyone in the in the team given a task, they will say, hey, relatively to everything else, we think that this is five times bigger than, than something else or it's three times bigger than something else uh, in this case. And then quite often, like we look at the numbers that are on the extreme, someone says, hey, Normally we use Fibonacci sequence. Someone, one person of the team said that is a 13 and the other one said that is a two. And most of and the rest of the team is always between like, I don't know, five or, or something like that. So you take the people that says that is 13 and the other one that take two. And so like, why do you think that is so complicated? Or why do you think that that is so easy? And then there is a discussion about that. So maybe uh, someone knows something that can achieve that very quickly or someone thinks that, hey, you might not be seeing the problems here. There are certain things that we also need to do to achieve that, and that is quite complex. So, so the, the important thing quite often is like the understanding, as Mesh uh, mentioned a few times, and, and uh, is what needs to be done. What is the effort in here, right? So before you just start hacking some code. So, and then like, like, like we can finish with Susanna, like we don't have a lot of time, but just, uh, I don't know if you want to cover some of so yeah, I think it would be interesting Mas, to talk about uh, PERT and the three-point estimation system and but, uh, all that, which I'm, we also mentioned last time. I'm wondering if we whether we can do that justice in the time we have, mm. because there are a lot of things that in Susanna's question as well, like the good practices, right? We we talked a bit about PERT very quickly. I think there's a lot of a few other things that you know we need to talk about around. The life cycle at which you're estimating at a more detailed level and how you do that how you size it like we often are asked to take a whole backlog or a problem set and estimate it at a high level so we can provide an estimate to a client to say well how much it's gonna cost uh them over a period of a year and so on at a very high level and the sprint level and kind of estimates and so on there's a lot of i think information there that may warrant another talk um, yeah, it's, it's fair enough. So the, the only thing we might need to wait until the new year if you want to have a part three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As we are all going on holidays, I believe that a lot of people also are watching that probably going to start breaking for holidays next week. And but we could do that. Like there, there's probably something else that we can talk about, like be more, more details of uh, different types of estimation and, and then do more justice to Susanna's, uh, yeah, to, the, to her question. Okay, and then we talk mm -hmm. about also the different levels of estimates, how to do that continuously as well, right? So how often do we do them? What the estimates at different levels mean? Why do we do them? What is their which purpose do they serve? Because they mm -hmm. are different, right? So as we do at different levels and how often you do at different levels. Yeah. Okay, well, and so so maybe, maybe you could do that. We there is the other calibration one. as well, you know, taking story points, relative sizing versus kind of actuals. PERT, which is more related to actuals and how even in relative sizing, how do you get to the actuals and those kind of things. Jesus, man. I, I never thought that we would need to have, like, most of our topics, I know that we could have had uh, part two for many of the things that we discussed in the past, but, but that it was never so clear like this, this one. Uh, 
It's this one has a lot of stuff to talk about, I think. It's an important yeah. one as well. This is an important topic for everyone. Cool. So, okay, well, let's... Uh, so, Susanna, uh, I'm sorry, but we'll need to, to get back to the, the, the other <laughs> half of your question or the other parts of your question. Uh, probably in the new year, when we reconvene, we probably will have a break uh, for, for the next couple of weeks. Uh, at least I'll be on holidays. I won't be able to record. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but... Uh, yeah, so, I think we're going to take a break as well. I think, yeah, <laughs> I think it's good that we all take a break. So, okay, so um, we will come back to you probably with part three next year. Uh, if you are watching until now, so, well, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to everyone. Yeah, uh, Merry Christmas. Right, and also remember to, if you are enjoying those 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 chats, remember to, to put the thumbs up, leave in the comments if we, are, if we are to have a part three. So that's your opportunity to tell us what else you would like us to cover in part three. Subscribe to the channel. And we'll we yeah. promise that we will do a better time management. The first topic and spend 35 minutes in the first yeah. tweet. You can right? promise, but I'm not promising anything. <laughs> I'm not committing to any estimates, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our estimate would be that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Good. Right. Okay, well, thanks everyone. I see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.